At the head she stands of birth and toil and fate. In their slow rounds the cycles turn to her call. Alone her hands can change. Time's dragon base. Hers is the mystery the night conceals. These spirits, alchemist energy is hers. She is the golden bridge, the wonderful fire. The luminous heart of the unknown is she. She is the force, the inevitable word. The magnet of our difficult ascent. The sun from which we kindle all our suns. The light that leans from the unrealized vasts. The joy that beckons from the impossible. The might of all that never yet came down. All nature dumbly calls to her alone to heal with her feet the aching throb of life and break the seals on the dim soul of man and kindle her fire in the closed heart of things. Such is the mystery and the marvel of the Divine Mother's Advent. The Mother's Advent, which in a way we may say is an extension of the general doctrine of avatarhood, is central to Shurabindo's teachings and yoga. The modern mind does not recognize it and Though it is there in the ancient traditions, it is in India that the truth of this doctrine is still preserved, mainly due to the Gita. The objection of the modern mind is that how can the divine who is formless, causeless, infinite, take birth in a finite body, be formed, in a body formed as it were of matter in a certain sense we see this happening all the time how beautifully in a small little seed the idea of a tree is shut it happens all the time or to take a more modern and scientific image we see that in a small point the infinite energy, the infinite consciousness was packed as it were at the moment when the Big Bang set it off into billions and billions of stars and galaxies spinning into space. Such is the mystery of the divine incarnation. And yet, even the mystics sometimes ask, is not the divine everywhere? Is he not hidden in each and every atom of existence? Does he not dwell within the heart of every creature? So what does it mean when we say that the Divine Mother's advent, she is born upon earth? 
Well, it is true that the divine is within, within each and every atom of existence. And man has the special privilege to go deep within, opening a hidden mystic door, pulled within by the hand of grace, and experience this grand revelation. Perhaps this is the purpose for which man has been born upon earth, so that he can come in contact with his own creator, with the creator of the whole creation, so to say. And yet there is a difference. Ordinarily, normally, that is to say, we are not conscious of this presence hidden deep within. There are many layers, many doors, many obstacles, many difficulties one has to negotiate with to cross and discover this marvelous presence. But during the moment of Advent, called as the hour of God, this inexpressible mystery steps out in front, assumes a human form and a human name, and comes to the forefront of the human quest, the march of civilizations, to assist to give it a crucial turn, to turn the tides of time decisively and definitively, or to open the doors through which humanity can pass through to the next level of its own collective and individual growth. Yes, we can contact the divine within, but yet our development can take place only to the extent that nature allows within the manifested field. If you want to go beyond, you have to go out of this magic circle. We have to enter the unmanifest. That is what countless mystics have done. They have left the manifestation as it were and went into the unmanifest. Thus creating a division between the unmanifest divine and the manifest divine. But in Shurabindo's teaching, this too is divine, divine in the manifestation. And while it is true that something in us belongs to the unmanifest, it is also true that our nature moves with the flow of the manifestation. And in this course of becoming, in this course of evolution, there are moments when something new has to be added to the manifestation. Something like a catalyst or a leaven. Something that can uplift the manifestation itself to a new level. Something that can redeem our fallen nature by the touch divine. And it is then during such hours that the unmanifest takes on a human form, a human body and assumes a human name. So the difference is that when the divine comes upon earth, he brings along with him or her some gift, something that was still hidden, something that was like a remote possibility and connects it with the manifested creation. He adds on something new to the earth, something new to our nature, 
which gives a new fillip, a new spur to the evolutionary impetus in man. That is what is special about the divine avatar. And among these avatars, very interestingly, when we see the Indian pantheon of avatars, we know the parable of the ten avatars. They are either animals or human, in human specifically man. Always the divine Shakti is there, but she is behind. Each avatar comes along with his divine Shakti, but the Shakti is behind. But for the first time we see with the coming of Sri that the Shakti steps in the forefront. Sri himself steps the Shakti, puts the Shakti in the forefront. And that Shakti is the Divine Mother. It is necessary because this time it's an entirely new creation, which means that there has to be someone who has to bear the pangs, the labor pains of the new birth, someone who has to organize the life of the new child, the offspring of new creation which is to be born, somebody who can care it, nourish it, feed it with one's own breast so that the new creation can become strong and ready. Who else can do it but the eternal feminine, the divine in his aspect as the mother. And that is what we see happening, the divine mother's advent upon earth. Of course, in a certain sense, the divine mother has always been on earth. Never has she left the earth since its inception. And here I would like to read a passage where the mother herself reveals the difference between these manifestations and now. She says, I said one day that in the history of earth, wherever there was a possibility for the consciousness to manifest, I was there. This is a fact. It's like the story of Savitri, always there, always there, always there. In this one, that one, at certain times there were four emanations simultaneously. Some of these were, of course, we know, Princess Marguerite, Catherine of Russia, Elizabeth I, John of Arc, and the victorious spirit in Murat, all these were various manifestations of the Divine Mother, Anshavatar showed to say. It is also very good that, you know, uh, we see that some of the immediate past reincarnations of the Divine Mother are in Europe and of course Russia, but very close to Europe. And we also see that they are not avatars in which she is like a traditional saint or a yogi but an empress or a noble princess or a warrior someone leading a full life and through that turning the tides of time it was but natural because if we just look at the millennium that we leave behind us it was in Europe that the entire evolutionary process was taking place in the last millennium or two since the time of Socrates. But now the balance of Shakti shifting from Europe to Asia 
And therefore we see the mother's birth in France, but shifting to Asia, to Japan and then to India. This is symbolic. We see another very interesting symbol in a very birth, that she is born with the mixing of the blood from two streams. One we know, the stream of the pharaohs, to whom or to the lineage to which her mother, more specifically her grandmother, who interestingly shared the same name, Mira, Mira Ismalun. So that is one stream which has its origin in Africa and the Hori traditions of Egyptian occultism. And on the other side we see her father, a Turkish branker, so the blood of Asia, and a strong man, a very strong man. He had a very strong and healthy body. And the mother herself has said that she wanted a strong and healthy body. And no wonder Sri would later say that your body is much better prepared for the transformation than my own. And if one of us has to leave, you have to, uh, I have to leave. And you must carry on and fulfill the yoga of transformation. So she had inherited or rather chosen to inherit a very strong body. To give just an example, her father was so strong that he could, by placing his fist with the strength of his fist on a fully developed horse, could make the horse sit. And of course, strength has its own other side. And mother recounts a very interesting story of her childhood when um, his father was spanking her brother and the mother looked at him and said, if you ever do this again, I am going to leave this house. And never again did he do it. It was a direct action, I would say, of consciousness acting upon matter in its most brute strength. Probably a first manifestation, a first possibility that she had seen or as a child, she had already done it. Otherwise, those days, when we look back a hundred years or more, which father would really listen to a five or six year old girl and never do something again. And then as to her mother, mother says something again very interesting. Her grandmother had occult uh, um, faculties. She could see things which the mother inherited and we know she was very close to her grandmother and the grandmother also trusted the mother or her grandchild very much. But as to her mother, she didn't believe in anything which could be even remotely called as occult. She believed in the here and the now, the present, matter, hard matter, that was the field. And yes, she had an iron will, which the mother inherited. At the same time, mother reveals why she came to this family. She says, despite all this, my mother, she always aspired that my children should be exceptionally great, exceptionally great. She said it was not really an ambition, but something she carried in, our, in her heart. And she had lost, and this aspiration came up particularly when she lost the first child. And then the second child was the mother's elder brother. And then of course the mother came into such a family. So we see a meeting together of an iron will and an iron fist an iron body and an iron-like mind and in that a consciousness which is vast taking place, taking, being formed in the womb with the mixing of two streams of blood from two continents 
and yet taking birth in France, which as we know was the place where the Renaissance was being worked out, France and Italy were the two places where the Renaissance was being worked out. So it was the dance of Shakti going on at its peak and yet it was preparing to leave. So the mother was born there. One year before her birth, her parents migrated to France because that was the ideal place, the kind of education she needed for the work she had to do. And no wonder she would say that salvation is physical. And she would not believe anything unless she had experienced it. That was something she inherited from her mother. That it's not imagination. It should not be something which is... Uh, she, used, she would say otherworldly because she thought everything is an imagination and a fancy. So when mother used to have as a child these experiences of going out of the body, even walking, writing poems, one day when her physical mother discovered it, she would say, you need drugs. I need to take you and see the doctor. And she did indeed consult the doctor. And mother says, I had a very difficult time. So this is how we see that the mother came. There is another very interesting thing that she says, that in all, many of these immediate lives, we see Catherine of Russia, which was her immediate past life, somewhere in the 18th century. And of course, Elizabeth I and Queen Hatsheput and another Egyptian queen and Marguerite the princess and we see that they were mainly as empress and she had discovered that well as an emperor you can do certain things but your hands are tied it's not something where you are free enough to do many other things and so she wanted a life of obscurity she wanted to take up a life of mediocrity and well we may say it is approaching the problem of obscurity and mediocrity upon earth. So she took birth in a rather obscure family, a family which was hardly known by anyone. And she, when she came to Shurbindo, she said something very interesting. She said, why is it that I am so mediocre? It's a very sweet statement. <laughs> Shurbindo replied very beautifully. He said, well, it's because you had this time a very different work to do. And the mother says, now I understand because it's an integral yoga, an integral development. And she would later say, it's much better to have your faculties widespread rather than specialize in one thing. So it's a great advantage. And it's a big hope to all of us who suffer from mediocrity, from obscurity, because the Divine Mother has taken herself birth amidst this obscurity and mediocrity. So there is hope for all of us. So this is her story, the story of her birth. And what it means to earth is that she brings something from the unknown, something from the unmanifest, something new and adds it to earth. So the real reason why the divine advent takes place, we have this famous sloka in the Gita that he comes for redeeming the good for pushing down or removing the evil, paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chaduskritam, dharm sansthapanarthaya, to establish the reign of dharma, sambhavami yuge yuge. So we, we know that the avatar has been born in previous lives as a vibhuti. Sri Krishna speaks about it. Buddha mentions it. We have those documents in the Jataka tale. 
but for the first time we have at least some of the avatars some of the uh, past lives as vibhutis of the mother and shurbindo though we know that these things are true but we have a direct understanding of that but the real reason why the avatar comes because these things redeeming the good destroying evil opening the path of righteousness the avatar can do through his countless vibhutis many masters many saints and sages are doing it but he comes primarily to bring matter in contact with the spirit and that changes completely the entire orientation of earthly life so this too we shall read the the deeper significance is always to transform matter so she says but with this present incarnation of the mahashakti mother is speaking about herself in the second person she is the supreme's first manifestation creation's first stride so we see that this time it's no more a partial incarnation but a complete incarnation something which has been foreseen of old and it was she who first gave form to all those beings now since her incarnation in the physical world and through the position she has taken here in relation to the supreme by incarnating in a human body all the other worlds have been influenced and influenced in an extremely interesting way for instance that up till now the moment man was born or the psychic being was born in a human body or the psychic consciousness the immortal soul which we know is a portion of the divine yet the moment it was born in a material body it became subject to all the cosmic forces it had to bow down to the gods it had to even sometimes appease or bear the stroke of the titan because he was in the prison house of matter but now with her birth in matter and matter itself being upgraded to be born in a human body would be a matter of pride we see the ancient mystics often declaring that human nature is like a dog's tail you know there is an interesting aside to it they say that when the dog's tail is straightened it means that the dog has gone mad but here we may say when this dog's tail of crooked human nature when it is straightened that means it has lost its previous balance but is entering into a new balance that's what would it would mean when it is said restoring the dharma it is a higher dharma a new dharma a new kind of law of being that man will discover so all these worlds have been influenced human experience with this direct incarnation of the supreme is ultimately a unique experience which has given a new orientation to universal history so we had the age of the vedas when man had to go through all the pathways of the gods we had the age of the upanishads when we had to contact the divine within and then the gita which teaches us the way to live this life and yet discover the freedom and now with the divine mother's coming we have the possibility of freedom and perfection even while continuing in this very body as we said 
the mother has declared salvation is physical. There is a possibility of the body itself being redeemed and that is the uniqueness of the Divine Mother's birth in matter. So, let us pause for a while and see what the Mother herself reveals about herself to a close disciple. You do not know who I am, who has descended in the ignorance among you, who has consented to be human, to take up a physical body among you all. And we see this so much in the ashram's history, how the gods would come, how the Leela would unfold and I must say it continues to unfold, a mystery and marvel. You have no idea of who is there before you. Well, even the gods whom you reverse so much perform tapasya in order to have a glimpse of me. This is a story. The mother would, from morning till late night, be very busy with all the sadhaks, all the works, and even in her so-called sleep, she would be busy with the worlds within, hearing a call from here, hearing a call from there. So often while in the midst of talking to someone or giving a flower, suddenly she would go into a trance, sometimes for more than half an hour, an hour. And it was a joy for the person. Someone has told me this story. How when the mother kept her hand on his shoulder and went into a trance for 45 minutes and he says it's the most blissful hour of my life, quite naturally. Because she would hear calls from here and there and countless words and then she would come back. So here is the story of a little girl or rather three girls who when they were waiting for the mother and the clock struck 11 at night, then midnight and then 1 o'clock. So one of them left her flowers with the other two and went off to sleep. She said, it's getting late, so I'm going to sleep. Please give these flowers to mother. So when the mother came, she asked, mother asked, who has left this dish of flowers here? Oh, is it X? You really surprise me. So there are surprises even for the divine. Mother at one place says that it is so strange. At one place he says, I am very surprised that human beings, why do they quarrel? <laughs> she says, one can live without quarreling. So she must be surprised looking at our human nature. In fact, assuming human nature. But how else could she transform it? So she says, you really surprise me. You can't wait even a little while for me? You get so impatient. Do you know how the gods and goddesses yearn to have my darshan? And the saints and sages consider themselves most blessed when they see me in their meditation even for a minute. The girl's reply is even beautiful. 
But, mother, replied the girl, we look upon you as our friend. When we stand under the shelter of a tree, do we think of it giving us a cool shade? So with the Divine Mother assuming a human form, she becomes one of us. She becomes not only the Divine Shakti, remote, inaccessible, unreachable on the high peaks beyond earth nature, but someone close to us, intimate to our life, a confidant to all our smallest difficulties and problems, which she would hear patiently. Sometimes, problems which one wonders whether one could really bring the divine with these problems and she would say, yes, tell me everything. Girls have gone and asked her, I am having period, should I do physical exercise or not? And she would say, yes, of course, why not? Such things, my eyes are hurting I have a boil in my nose. Oh mother, I have fever. Or the trivialest of the trivial. trivial. We remember Dara's famous doggerel. Oh mother almighty, where is my tea? Even for a cup of tea, we could approach her. And she would most graciously and generously pour her heart of love to her. Us both as divine and as human. So this girl says, we look upon you as our friend. We remember how Arjuna says something similar to Krishna. O Keshava, O Madhava, I have not known you. When he sees his Vishwarupa and says, I have treated you like a friend. I have placed my arms around you, sat with you, joked with you, laughed with you. What have I not done with you? Excuse me if I have done any excesses. And the Lord of all creatures, the lover of mankind, tells him, But of course, I am the friend of all creatures. So she is the mother. That sweet answer disarmed the mother completely and she immediately took her into her arms. In a certain sense, the Divine Mother always holds her creation in her arms. She has said, as we read, she has never left the earth since its inception. Always she has been there. As she has said, whenever and wherever, there was the possibility of a ray of consciousness to manifest. I was there. So, to speak of things like, the mother was born on 21st February 1878, is a kind of limitation. An even greater limitation when we say, she withdrew, she has gone, or still more foolishly, she has passed away. Or when man commits the utter imbecility when he says, oh, the mother is no more there. I still remember when we came in the beginning to the ashram and naturally people were so much used to her physical presence and someone remarked, you know, when the mother was there, it hurt us because, you know, for us, we always grew up with this sense that she is there. And uh, honestly, living here now for so many years, we feel she is very much here. It's just that it's the limitation of our eyes. She reveals and she wails. But that has been always the mystery. Even when she assumes a human body, she comes for a work, not to show her to us because we cannot see her as she is. 
That's why she becomes human. As Shubhinda says, our life is a paradox with God for key. His human portion, we must grow divine even as he becomes like us. So she becomes like us, human, like a human mother, so that we can learn to relate to her as the Divine Mother with our diviner parts. So we come back to what we were reading. Well, even the gods whom you revere so much perform tapasya in order to have a glimpse of me. It is for me and through me that the whole universe exists and it vibrates in my consciousness. At one place, just like the Vishwarup of Sri Krishna, she speaks of her universal form. And she says, you know where the ashram is? It's a formation, almost she points out, in the below the navel, extending to the right, like an oval-shaped formation. She says it's a very special formation, which is protected, which has a special work, but I am much greater. So when we use words like the mother of Shirobindo, Ashram Pondicherry, we again betray our own ignorance. She is much vaster than all that we can understand. The whole universe exists and it vibrates in my consciousness. Of course, it's equally true of Shirobindo. When someone told Shirobindo about his Vishwarup and Niroda even added, Oh, maybe you are not showing us your Vishwarup because we may be frightened like Arjuna. He says, no, 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 that is not true. Arjuna got frightened because he saw the Vishwarup of Krishna in which all the warriors were crushed between his teeth. He says, my Vishwarup is not like that. It is much more gentle, much more somber. So, that Vishwarup was necessary for that age. And all that you see, it is through me that all living beings and inanimate things, and all that you see in the manifestation, acts and progresses, even when we do not realize, even when people do not acknowledge that there is even a divine Shakti or the divine mother, it is in fact only through her grace, through the grace of the divine Shakti, that even one can open the doors of nirvana and enter into it. Without the Divine Mother's grace, without her active consent, it is not possible. Mere tapasya cannot do it. There is nothing that is not within me. I am the cause. It is in me that all things disappear. Everything, everything is expressed in me and aspires to take refuge in me. Those who know me a little give their entire lives to find me. I am above the whole manifestation. This is the great secret, the great secret of the Divine Mother's advent upon earth. 
it is that which is beyond the manifestation coming down and becoming one with the manifest so that this manifested universe this earth this humanity which has always aspired for perfection for terrestrial perfection can be redeemed and lifted up one more step towards the infinite glory towards the love that we seek and never find towards the light which we struggle for in our ignorance towards the grace for which we aspire the peace and bliss for which we yearn and look here and there but never find as in savitri o bliss that ever dwellest hid deep within yet men seek the outside and never find that mystery that marvel is the divine mother born in human time amidst the darkness of earth in the darkest ages which we know is the century we leave behind us her presence during the two great wars giving a new turn a new phase a new lease of life a seed shall be sown in death's tremendous hour a branch of heaven transplanted to human soil and one great act unlock the doors of fate you do not know who i am who has descended in the ignorance among you who has consented to be human to take up a physical body among you all you have no idea of who is there before you well even the gods whom you revere so much perform tapasya in order to have a glimpse of me it is for me and through me that the whole universe exists and it vibrates in my consciousness it is through me that all living beings and inanimate things and all that you see in the manifestation acts and progresses there is nothing that is not within me i am the cause it is in me that all things disappear everything everything is expressed in me and aspires to take refuge in me those who know me a little give their entire lives to find me i am above the whole manifestation 
एंड सावित्री ओ ट्रुथ डिफेंडेड इन दाई सीक्रेट सन वॉइस ऑफ अर माइटी म्यूजिंग्स इन शट हेवेंस ऑन थिंग्स विद ड्रॉन विद इन अर ल्यूमिनस टेप्स ओ विजडम स्प्लेंडर मदर ऑफ द यूनिवर्स क्रिएट्रिक्स द इटर्नल्स आर्टिस्ट ब्राइड linger not long with thy transmuting hand pressed vainly on one golden bar of time as if time dare not open its heart to god o radiant fountain of the world's delight world free and unattainable above o bliss whoever dwellest deep hid within while men seek the outside and never find mystery and muse with hieratic tongue incarnate the white passion of thy foes mission to earth some living form of thee one moment fill with thy eternity let thy infinity in one body live all knowledge wrap one mind in seas of light all love throb single in one human heart immortal treading the earth with mortal feet all heavens beauty crowd in earthly limbs omnipotence girdle with the power of god movements and moments of a mortal will pack with the eternal might one human hour and with one gesture change all future time let a great word be spoken from the heights and one great act unlock the doors of fate and the divine mother is born upon earth with this assurance this promise sowing the seeds of a new creation emits all the darkness which we see around us a seed shall be sown in death's tremendous hour a branch of heaven transplanted to human soil nature shall overleap her mortal step fate shall be changed by an unchanging will